He was at the corner of Portman Street when he realised that someone was calling his name, someone waving from the other side of the road. It was Geoffrey Margoyle, who James remembered from Oxford. Margoyle was older than James, loud and ambitious, with a decided fondness for giving good advice. He had left Oxford a year ago, and James had almost forgotten about him. He was waving now. James could hardly pretend not to see him. Instead, he waited as Margoyle darted across the street, nimbly dodging the traffic. And how many months in London would it take for James to be able to manage that? Norbury, he said, as soon as he was within speaking distance. How are you? To James's great surprise, Margoyle proved a blessing in his way. After telling James in some detail about his flourishing career at the Foreign Office, he added that he had just the solution to James's problems. He knew an excellent fellow who needed someone to go halves with him on a very nice set of rooms. He was in abruptly straitened circumstances, due to an unlucky conjunction of pressing debts, cancelled allowance, and a family quarrel. Margoyle knew James would keep this to himself, and in fact, James had probably met him at Oxford. Christopher Page, surely he remembered. Page, James repeated. Ah, you don't remember him. Was he at Corpus? Maudlin. Did he do anything useful at Oxford? I fed the ducks sometimes. Margoyle ignored this remark. Anyway, I'll introduce you. He's a decent chap. You'll see. I'm grateful, Margoyle, but I'm not really sure if. Don't be an ass, Margoyle said, as if this settled the matter. You can meet him at my club tomorrow afternoon, three o'clock. Be on time if you can manage it. He took out his watch. Now I must go. He disregarded James's continuing protests, and departed with a plum, leaving James feeling rather more rueful and bewildered. Than he had been before. Margoyle's club was a grand old place in Pall Mall, ponderously, expensively silent. Inside, it was difficult to imagine the noise of the streets only a yard or so distant. Margoyle, who liked directing things, was in a cheerful mood. James was uneasy. He was sitting opposite Margoyle, listening to a very long story about. How Margoyle's father had once met General Gordon on a train, and, and what Margoyle's father had said to General Gordon, and what General Gordon had said to him, when the door was opened, and a man paused, breathless, on the threshold. James recognised him immediately. The same dark eyes and careless good looks. He had an air of enjoying himself tremendously, which James would later learn was habitual. Page. Margoyle said, genial and reproachful, "We'd nearly given up hope." Well, there's a story there," Page said. He looked from Margoyle to James, then blinked. Ah. James stared back at him, quite at a loss. He remembered the martyrdom of man, and the gentle shade of the library, and the smell of dust and sweat. It might, in that moment, have fallen out in a number of ways. James ought to have pretended not to recognise Page at all. Instead, he said incredulously, "It's you." Yes, Page agreed. "You met before," said Margoyle. 
Page glanced at James. We were never introduced, were we, Mr. Norbury? James saw Page's mouth twitch, and thought that he was struggling with suppressed fury. Then he realized it was not rage at all, but laughter, and this unsettled him more than outright hostility would have done. Actually, James added desperately, I think perhaps I ought to reconsider about the rooms. I mean, I'm sorry to inconvenience you, but reconsider," Margoyle repeated coldly. "Yes, I, I've just thought. I know I ought to have mentioned this before, but, but I should probably think about going back to the country soon, and I wouldn't want to." Margoyle was still looking at him in unconcealed disapproval. But Page smiled again and sat down in the chair nearest to James. Nonsense," he said. James said nothing. It had dawned on him how well Page was dressed, the way he could say nonsense as if fate could not possibly have the audacity to disregard his wishes. Come and see the rooms at least," he said. "You'll think differently when you see them. Besides." I'll be an ideal person to share with, won't I, Margoyle? Margoyle smiled sardonically. It seemed he had become expert in sardonic smiles since leaving Oxford. Perhaps it was something they taught one at the Foreign Office. You'd be a fool not to see the rooms, he told James. He was so down in the mouth before about having nowhere to live. This was indisputable. And so Margoyle left for another appointment, and together James and Page departed to look at the rooms.